Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. One of the things I love about everybody here at Villas Grace Church, one of the many things, but one of the many things is the fact that it's all hands on deck. It's all hands on deck. Just amazing to be able to be part of a team. And that's what we want here. We want to be a team. We only move the ball down the field together. And our goal is to do that for the sake of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning. As we continue in our study, Galatians, we know that this is a defense of God's grace, but we also understand that freedom from sin is found in Jesus, Lord, and, and please help us to remind ourselves to preach that truth to ourselves each and every day. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of you maybe have heard this before, but he could sell a blank to a blank. I want to hear, this is Audience Participation Sunday. Actually, it should be Audience Participation Sunday every Sunday. But I want to hear some of your favorite ones. Like, he could sell a blank to a blank. A refrigerator to an Eskimo. Thank you, Mr. Norm. Any, any others? A bear of fur coat. See, these are good. You guys understand where we're going, right? I like that. Anybody else have one? I have a few for you, so you just want me to take over from here? Is that what you're telling me? All right, all right, all right. Here we go. How about he could sell water to a well? Or he could sell ice to an Eskimo. I actually like the refrigerator one better, but that was, that was well done. He could sell a Quran to a Christian. He could sell oil to a Saudi. He could sell a gun to a pacifist. Church, this he specifically that we're speaking about this morning is our adversary. This he is the prince of the power of the air. This he has tremendous influence over the world. This he understands the power of persuasion. So, with that being said, we must remain vigilant as He attempts to persuade us away from the truth of God's grace as He attempts to sell us a bill of goods that no one ever needed in the first place. So please, join me in your Bibles In the book of Galatians, we're going to be in chapter 5. The verses will be on the screen, so if you do not have your Bible with you, fear not. We're going to be in chapter 5 of Galatians, verses 7 through 12. Last week, Pastor Jared did a magnificent job, in my opinion, a wonderful job in speaking of all hands on deck. I love being able to come here on a Sunday morning and not preach and walk away being fed like I was last Sunday. And the same for you, because if you get a steady dose of the same person all the time, it's one thing. But if you can get a little bit from him, a little bit from him, and like we have different individuals, different men who can preach here, that only better serves the body. Now, doesn't it? Amen? Amen. So the title for our sermon this morning is this, The World's Persuasion. 
the world's persuasion. And last week, like I said, Pastor Jared did a magnificent job, and especially as he walked us through the difference between condemnation within the law and grace in love. See, it's when we practice resisting grace, which was the title of his sermon, when we resist God's grace, what we end up doing is really cutting ourselves off from the one thing that can save us. Grace, which leads to faith in Jesus because we know that grace is a gift. Our faith in Christ is a gift given freely. Today, we're going to focus on the sufficiency of just that, God's grace, and especially as it alone secures our eternal salvation. And since we undoubtedly know this to be true, we must rid ourselves of those who are whispering sweet nothings into our ear. The world is full of those types of individuals. They attempt to limit God's grace by promoting a false persuasion that says in order to secure your eternal future, it's God's grace. Yeah, we, we believe in God's grace, but it's also your work. You have to do something on top of God's grace in order to receive faith in Jesus. We know that this is the world's persuasion, which is false. So please join with me in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verses 7 through 12. You are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. But if I brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Amen. Now, these verses this morning bring us to this one sentence that defines everything that Paul is saying, and this is our main idea, and that main idea says this. God's grace alone is sufficient for salvation. God's grace alone is sufficient for salvation. There is no need to receive God's grace and then do something on your own in order to receive eternal salvation. That is what is being said here this morning. Now, question. Would you drink water from a contaminated source? If you knew that the source was contaminated, would you drink the water? No, you'd be foolish if you knew that it was contaminated. But what if you were desperate? What if you were desperate? What if your life depended on it? What if you had a filter similar to this? See, what this is, this is a filter straw. And what this individual is doing before he drinks the unknown source of water, he doesn't know if it's contaminated or not, but he knows that he needs water. So what does he do? He puts the filter straw into the water and therefore drinks the water and all the contaminants are filtered out. Now, if you had a filter straw and you knew that the water was contaminated, but your life depended on it, would you use the filter straw? Church, see, the same is true for us. 
We should filter all teaching. We should filter all preaching, whether we're here at Villa's Grace Church or what we see and hear on TV, who we listen to on the radio, what we stream over the internet, all of which should be purified through the filter of the gospel. After all, just a small amount of poisonous water or just a small amount of poison in the water will contaminate the whole entire glass. Just like Paul said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Paul warns us as much in verses 7 through 10. And we see in verse 7, Paul uses the metaphor of an athletic event to describe the Galatians' past and current progress in the gospel. And clearly, they were on track. Paul starts off by revealing as much. See, their pace was appropriate, which is why he says, you were running well. However, verse 7 ends with a simple question. Paul says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Again, they were on track, weren't they? Their pace was appropriate, but then all of a sudden they were tripped by a devious, unknown source. And we know this from the word hindered. We know that this is true from that very word. Church, don't think that you personally are potentially not being hindered too. And at the very least, at the very least, know that even if you are on track, even if your pace currently is appropriate, there are those who are plotting and scheming to make sure that as you're, as it's saying here, running, you will be hindered too. So does anyone know what we call this hindrance that we see here in the text this morning? We call this hindrance the same as our sermon title, the world's persuasion. This is the world's persuasion. And just like verse 8 declares, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. Church, God is him who has called you. He has called you according to the gospel, the good news of Jesus. He has called you to the pace of a marathon runner, but not that of a sprinter. So in life, it's really either or. Either you're a marathon pace runner, or you're trying to sprint through life. Now, as we observe in verse 9, the world's persuasion is, as it says, a little leaven that leavens the whole lump. See, leaven or yeast cannot remain isolated. So within a lump of dough, the leaven or yeast will eventually spread to the whole entire loaf. And it's just like our illustration from earlier. It's the small bit of poison that contaminates the whole entire glass of water. Just a little bit of poison in that water will contaminate the whole entire glass, which is why we should take all teaching, which is why we should take all preaching, whether, again, it's here at Villa's Grace Church or what we see on TV or who we listen to on the radio or what we stream over the Internet. We should be taking all of this and purifying it through the filter of 
the gospel. The Lord has given us the filter of the gospel to be able to filter out this teaching. Because if we fail to do so, that little bit of leaven will spread throughout the whole lump. See, small bits of anti-gospel sentiment will eventually consume one's entire attitude towards life. And when that happens, you've been hindered. You've gotten off track and off pace alike. So how do we utilize a gospel filter? I think that's the question we're all drawing right now. How is it that I can use a gospel filter in my life on a daily basis? How does this actually play itself out? See, there are a few things that we can do, but the first thing I would say is not listen to Siri because she has no idea what I'm talking about. She just said she couldn't understand me. Are we surprised? We're preaching the gospel here. Everything we hear is either true or false. That's the first thing that we can do. We should understand that everything we hear is either A, true, or B, false. We need to ask the question of ourselves, is what I'm hearing true or false about what I can do alongside Jesus, or is what I'm hearing true or false about what Jesus can do through me? Is what I'm hearing telling me that I need Jesus plus what I can do, or is what I'm hearing telling me that Jesus is doing a work through me? Keep this in mind. If it seems to be more about me than he, as we discussed a couple weeks ago, then it's probably the world's persuasion. Because everything needs to be about he and not me. The second thing that I think we can do is simply examine the teacher or preacher. Does the teacher or preacher present themselves as one approved by God himself? See, the gospel must be clearly presented at all times. All roads roads lead to God's grace, which is the gift of our faith in Jesus. So if all roads leads to God's grace, then all roads lead to Jesus. Every word in this Bible leads to Jesus. The third thing that we can do is know if the message should be consistent. We should know that the message should always be consistent. Is what I'm reading or what I'm hearing consistent with God's truth? See, God's truth was relevant. God's truth is relevant. God's truth will forever be relevant. Truth is not tailor-made for the times. I think we make that mistake. We think sometimes, well, God's truth is only tailor-made for what it is that I'm going through right now, or God's truth is only tailor-made for what it is this world is going through. That is incorrect. God's truth is consistent. It has been, it is, and it will forever be consistent. Remember, our adversary is good, isn't he? He's good. He could sell water to a well, a refrigerator to an Eskimo. He could sell a Quran to a Christian, oil to a Saudi. He could even sell a gun to a pacifist. Church, I've had conversations with you. 
You've suggested books to me. You've informed me of who you listen to on the radio, who you watch on TV. Sometimes I don't say a word. Sometimes you give me a book, I take the book and don't say anything. Sometimes you tell me who you listen to on the radio or who you watch on TV or who you stream over the internet, and I don't say anything. All I have to say is, I'll let Paul speak for me. This is what Paul has to say in verse 10. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. Church, don't let someone else sell you on you. Don't. Don't let someone else sell you on you, especially when you know that faith in Jesus is a gift. And that's God's grace. Amen? And this brings us to our first point this morning. God's grace is a gift, not a sales pitch. God's grace is a gift, not a sales pitch. If you're listening to someone, if you're reading someone preach the gospel, it better be all about God's free gift of faith. It better all be about God's grace that you accept from Him. It better not be a sales pitch trying to tell you that you can do it. This isn't seven steps to a better whatever. This is the gospel. We preach the free gift of faith through the work of Jesus. It's all about accepting what He has done. We don't need to add anything else to it. Again, our main idea this morning, God's grace alone is sufficient for salvation. God's grace alone is sufficient for salvation. And that's important for most of us to remember or maybe ponder for the first time. Those of you maybe who question whether or not you're saved, if you're questioning your eternal future, only thing you have to do is accept the gift of faith that leads to Jesus. You don't have to worry about, did I do enough? Am I going to stand before the Lord someday and maybe I get to go to heaven? Maybe I don't get to go to heaven? No. If you accept the work of Jesus you can be secure in your eternal future if you understand that you are sinful and you are in need of a Savior from your sinfulness, not just your individual sins. All of your sin. Then you can be secure in your eternal future. Here's a question for you. Do you have any idea what this is? It's a cross? Pretty simple answer, right? Pretty simple observation. But do you know what this really is? Yeah, it's a cross. But what does the cross represent? To us, yes. It represents salvation. It represents the sacrifice, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But to the rest of the world, it's an offense. 
It's a stumbling block. It's a trap. It's a snare. Church, this, however, is our symbol of hope. Unfortunately, the cross makes no sense to the world. The cross says God's grace plus nothing else equals salvation. The world says, after all, only what I can do. It's taking what Jesus did and then adding to it what you can do. But we know that that isn't true. Church, this cross is grace, and it's God's grace. And we see the cross for what it is in verses 11 through 12. So let's observe the final part of verse 11 first, where it says, In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. And in this particular case, the offense or the stumbling block or the trap or the snare comes from the first part of verse 11. See, it comes from Paul's refusal to preach circumcision. As we've covered recently, it's the legalist. It's those who adhere to legalism that persecute Paul or persecuted Paul. And again, legalism is nothing more than us saying, I am in God's favor or God is pleased with me by what I have done myself. I've accomplished more good than bad in my life. I've done more good than I've done evil, so therefore God will be happy and satisfied with me. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Legalists say, I don't do this, 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 and this, and their list continues on, and they think that's what makes them holy. But if our hope is the cross, we know the only thing that makes us holy is Jesus and His work. And especially as He continues to work in us and through us. See, circumcision was faith in Jesus after all that I can do. And that's what Paul is saying. That's what, is he, that's what he's declaring. The Judaizers were still right there, still saying, yeah, 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 you need Jesus, but you still need to go get circumcised. Church, today they've moved on from circumcision you're not going to get on the internet and stream anything about being circumcised or hear anybody on the radio or TV or read it in any modern day books. But in Paul's day and age, circumcision revealed that one had indeed sealed himself in the Abrahamic covenant. Even though this was before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, therefore one would qualify himself for salvation through getting circumcised. We know that that's not true, but church, the question needs to be asked. If circumcision is part of our salvation, then where is God's grace? This works-based salvation via legalism, again today they've moved on from circumcision itself and are on to other persuasive measures. We must beware of seven different types of people within the church doing this currently today. And we must also be aware not only of who they are, but their varying persuasive measures. So this is a list of the different types of people who are within the church, not outside the church, within the church, even within our church. The first is the heretic. The heretic will either contradict truth outright or will contradict truth by adding to it. And that's what we're seeing here with circumcision. Oh, yeah, yeah, you need Jesus, but then you also need to get circumcised. 
The church also has been infiltrated by the charlatan. This person will use and abuse God's truth in order to line their own pockets. The third person would be the modern-day prophet. Someone who claims to know truth that can only be found outside of the Bible. The fourth individual would be the abuser. This person will walk over whoever they want in order to get what they think they deserve. The fifth person within the church that we need to be aware of and be on the lookout for is the corrupt dealer. This is someone who will turn the local church into a house of cards for the purpose of dividing a church. Sometimes they'll major on the minors in order to do so. Sixth, we have the tickler. That's someone who will only tell you what you want to hear. They are the ones that will itch your ears for you. So if you come on a Sunday morning or you flip on the radio, TV, or get on the internet and you want to hear seven steps on how to achieve something in life, you are just wanting your ears to be tickled. Last but certainly not least, the final person that we need to watch out for in the church would be known as the theorist. Someone obsessed with end times theology as well as being obsessed with the unknown. They search Scripture for hidden codes and meanings. They, they find certain numbers in the Bible and act like they add up to something special. It's more like mysticism. They think that they can find something hidden, but we know that the gospel in its entirety has been revealed to us through Christ. We need nothing else other than what God has already given us. So as Joe comes up and we close this morning, I would like to ask you a question. Do you recognize what these verses today or what one of our verses here this morning is telling us about these individuals? Now, mind you, we're talking about those at this particular time here in the text that we're promoting circumcision. And though in modern times they're not promoting circumcision, but they're still promoting a works-based salvation, what is it that the Bible tells us in verse 12 about these individuals? I'm just going to read it. Paul says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. So what's the moral of the story? Paul's saying, why go halfway when you can go all the way? You guys know what emasculation means, right? I was going to talk about the family jewels, but there's no need. I think you guys are tracking with me. If you're going to just circumcise yourself, you might as well just lop it all off, is what Paul's saying. Church, we all need... In order to keep growing in Christ, we need to utilize that gospel filter. We all need to do the same thing. Not one more than the other. We all need to be reading Scripture. We all need to be studying our Bibles. We need to be praying. And if we know God's Word, then we know 
His truth. And if we know truth, we know that, the, that faith is a gift. That's God's grace. And that it's God's grace that leads us to the cross. The cross that is not offensive to us. The cross that is not a stumbling block for us, nor is it a trap or a snare. So no matter how they spin it, we know that God's grace allows us to stay on track. God's grace allows us to stay on pace for all, for all of eternity. All the while, the world preaches its own persuasion. And that persuasion is nothing more than an offensive stumbling block. And this brings us to our second and final point. And that point says this, worldly persuasion neglects God's grace. Worldly persuasion neglects God's grace because worldly persuasion is going to tell you that it's all about you. Worldly persuasion is going to sell you on you. But when you're sold on yourself, you have no need for a Savior, a Messiah. You have no need for Jesus. Again, our first point this morning stated that God's grace is a gift. It's not a sales pitch. It is a gift. And finally, our main idea, God's grace alone is sufficient for salvation. Lord, help us to be individuals that can reveal your grace to one another. Help us be ones who promote your truth. Work through us, use us, convict us if we need to be convicted, if we're getting off track or off pace. As a body of believers, let's spur one another on towards Christ-likeness. We pray this in His name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.